Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about Christmas cancer so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we've read The Christmas Shoes by Donna Van Lyre, a best-selling book based on a shitty, over-emotional Christmas song by the band New Song. Joining us for this episode is Ashley, librarian slash Christmas enthusiast from the small Midwestern town of Chicago. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Hi, Internet. How's it going? I mean, we just read this book, so. Amazing. Mm, you're right. <laughs> so I've been really Amazing. self-conscious about what Jesus would think about my footwear. <laughs> Understandably so after this book. It kind of presented that way. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it, there's snow on the ground. I've been wearing my knockoff boots. I mean, what if I met Jesus wearing fake Uggs? I don't think he'd be very pleased oh with gosh. you. He, I, just I mean, He'd probably still let you in, but he wouldn't be, like, very happy I uh, Yeah, it. I wouldn't like, get to the cool right, kids' table in heaven. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> like, definitely it would definitely not. be, like, a pity thing, and everyone would know it. Like, they'd look <laughs> at you and be like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You tried. If, if you only tried, had though. a child who loved you, then he would look <laughs> nicer in heaven. But No. <laughs> Duarte hates you and uh, <laughs> wants you to die. So, so <laughs> when you're in oh heaven, gosh. having been murdered by <laughs> your cat. <laughs> but the ironic thing is he really loves my shoes. So he probably like would have murdered me just for better access for to my shoes. shoes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> let's, let's tell these good listeners what uh, this book is about. If we can even figure that out. I mean, it's I about mean, Christmas I, shoes. I got that. And I feel like it's, it's really hard Christmas. to escape this song once the holiday season, you know, begins. So I feel like everyone, I mean, it is like, basically, they took this song and said, well, let's write a 125-page book about it. Let's, it's, let's just it's like she, It's like fan fiction for the song. <laughs> I don't think I ever really heard this song until, because I had heard heard it was horrible so i like consciously avoided it until i read this book and i was confused was the book first or was the song first song i didn't really understand first. that i yeah now i know that and it's I, I gotta say i'm pretty impressed by someone who could write a book off of like a four minute song like that's it's just a lot of padding she had to do so it's pretty impressive in but its way i'm not impressed like, yeah <laughs> i'm not either because all right <laughs> so I feel like, you know, the song presents, you know, one single moment of a scenario and clearly you need to build off of that to write a right. longer book. But I feel like she kind of like really shoddily tied everything together. Mm-hmm. Like things don't really connect. Like I get that. I, I, I get the impression that the kids teachers Christmas story about how she had fancy shoes was supposed to inspire him to go out and buy the shoes for the mom, but they're so right. loosely connected that it never really, like, hits yes. me. That, like, oh, like, you know, obviously I know, because I know what the, sh- the song is, once those, the teacher's shoes are introduced, I'm like, oh, that's what's going to inspire him to go buy shoes, but it never says that anywhere. Like, he never, I, don't, I feel like she could have done a better job working in the central conceit of the, the title <laughs> Of the song and book, for, like, for they anybody... don't even mention her dancing. I mean, there's no <laughs> there's no mention of her like da- she's always laying down. So like we never really even see that she likes to dance or that she likes shoes. 
you know, she may not be that kind of person. Let's, um, real quick, for oh, yeah. anybody listening who maybe had not heard the song before, um, we are not going to put the audio in because that's too complicated and we might get sued. It's probably on YouTube, but basically it's a song where the narrator of the song is in line buying something at a store and he is behind a small child who doesn't have enough money to buy the shoes that he wants to buy. And then he explains that he needs to buy the shoes for his mom because she's going to meet Jesus soon. And he wants her to possibly look good. Possibly tonight. Yeah, possibly tonight. And he wants, he wants yeah. his mother to look good in heaven for Jesus. So that's the song. The book is that, but with a lot more complicated backstory. It is uh, the story of a douchey lawyer who, like... Um, he's sort of just the stereotype, like, your typical villain in any kind of Lifetime movie or whatever. Like, he works so hard that he neglects his family, and, like, he doesn't even know what ages his daughters are, and all he does is work. And- what they like. Yeah. He doesn't but even he- know what they like or anything they might enjoy, which is pretty bad. Yeah, but he thinks it's all, you know, all that matters is that he makes enough money so that his wife can have a nice car and, like, all that. Right. And then it's simultaneously the story of a boy named Nathan who's eight and his mom is dying of cancer. And they're very honest, hardworking, poor people, but they love Jesus and they're just really good people. And <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can make this clear that they're just great A plus people. Um, the narrative is very confident about that. A plus people. Yep. So, um, and yet, still, uh, still, she's dying of cancer because life is meaningless. And, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, good. So that that we have all that backstory, and then Nathan with the dying mom is the is the boy from the song. It turns out, and douchey lawyer is the one who helps him buy the shoes. And. Then there's also it's it's weirdly convoluted because there's also sort of this frame net like it's partly told in the year 2000 and partly in 1985 and like the dying part is 85 and then in the year 2000 he's looking back on this all and uh, his douchey lawyer I don't remember what his name is what is his it's name? it doesn't I just called him Rob Lowe ever since I found out I mean we probably shouldn't uh, I'm gonna tell you in a second Kevin Keith. You're just Evan. naming douchebag names. You're just, ra- no. you're just racially profiling him as a douchebag. <laughs> no. I'm, look- I'm looking right now. I can't. It's in here somewhere. I think it's, Whatever. I think it's I mean... Evan because they named they name the grandson in the frame story. Robert. Evan. It's, it's, no, it's Robert because she's telling him he's tired. she's tired of this, Robert. She's tired. Oh, okay. I think his so... name is Robert Evan or Evan Robert. Yeah, okay. Okay, like... yeah, Robert. Hey, that's my dad's Rob... name. That's not a douchebag name. <laughs> my dad's Sorry. name, too. Okay. Wow, <laughs> my dad is kind of a douchebag. I Actually, mean, what's like, your dad's the, name? The best possible. My way. dad's name is 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 it's Loris. It's not even anywhere closely related. It's Russian. I you guess, you which stuttered is weird. Um, about is that your dad's real name or? Lor- no, it is. <laughs> I would never lie to you guys on this podcast. It's definitely Loris. All right. <laughs> um, I will be doing a background check on you later. Should. You should. <laughs> um, what now? Oh, so. Robert. Robert, the douchebag lawyer, his mom dies also on Christmas, and so 
So he always goes to the graveyard on Christmas because to visit his mom's grave because no wait they both died December twenty sixth I'm sorry yeah he always, but he always goes to the grave on Christmas and then so he runs into Nathan the shoe boy because his mom also died on on the twenty sixth and so they both go tend graves at Christmas time. Right, and they keep talking about him Memorial Day as like the normal day to tend graves, and I was like that doesn't make any sense to me because none of them were in the military, but you know whatever. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like if you're not in the military, it's more common to go like on the person's birthday, right? Or like when they yeah. die. I, they made they kept they said that like twice, and it's like okay. yeah, it's true. They kept mentioning Memorial yeah. Day. Yeah, and like I don't. I mean, I don't hang out in cemeteries or anything, but I, <laughs> I have seen like it's uh-huh. not. It's not. To, in my experience, uncommon to see graves with, like, poinsettias or, like, Christmas decorations on them. Like, maybe not on Christmas Day, but I do think it's not uncommon for people to go to the graveyard around Christmas. Right, you know? yeah, it's when you're missing your dead people. You want to go, like, yeah, pay your tribute. Hang out with them. Yeah, I agree. It's not that weird, but the narrative acts like it's very strange and, like, Douchey Lawyer and Shoe Boy are the only two people ever there at Christmas time. Right. Whatevs. Um, okay, so that said, this book, it, it doesn't super make sense. It's written in a really weird way that I kind of felt like the book was rebooting itself on every page. Like, every page seemed to be starting a new book or, like, trying to. It's a really strange effect. I guess books we've talked about in the past have had this problem where they just shift point of view rapidly and for, like, no reason. And this... That was happening, for sure. Yeah, it happens a lot. And it also, like, it it tries to interweave the lives of uh, Robert the Douchebag and Nathan the Shoe Boy I by, like... They're connected. They don't hardly like, know, they don't know each having, other. Like, it's very... And, and they don't, but it tries to, like, add this stuff, like, um, when Cancer Mom finds out she has cancer while she's at the doctor's office that day... Uh, Robert's wife is also right. there, and like, and yeah, and when Douchey Lawyer's car breaks down, he goes to Cancer Mom's husband, the mechanic, and yells at him, and for, yells oh, at him for overcharging reason, which we know that he right. doesn't overcharge. We know that he's very honest and hardworking, a plus person. And, so, no, like, no. I think there's like another point too. Like, there's all these like little things where, like, it's like, oh, they, they, you know. Inter, they, their lives were woven together, but they're really not. Like none of those are further explored. Nothing is really connected to any of those instances. Like I was almost expecting um, the the mechanic dad, Shoe Boy's dad, to get fired because douchebag lawyer was yelling at him. But like, no, of course he doesn't because they're good, Jesus loving people and. They, you know, he has like super nice bosses who are like, no, just don't come to work for a couple months. Like, yeah, go just, tend just your take, dying yeah, wife. Yeah, paid cancer leave. Yeah, yeah. Which like is great. Like, I wish more businesses did that. But <laughs> it, yeah, it was, was pretty just... unbelievable. There's also too like they have the scene where um, cancer mom finds out she has cancer. Before that, she's a regular mom, and then as <laughs> she becomes cancer mom, they're like, and payments for treatment are due up front, and she's like, no, we don't have money. And the nurse is just like, whatever. Which, by the way, I mean, I feel like you can... There usually are payment plans available. Yeah. And all that. But anyway, there's not here. And so they kind of have a scene of, like, fretting about that. 
And then, like, the next scene, she's just, like, at home, and they have a hospice nurse and a hospital bed in the house. And, like, that shit is expensive. So, I don't know. And it's, like, the timeline for the cancer for everything is really weird, too, because, like, the cancer kids, uh, I'm sorry, shoe kid, shoe boy's teacher is, like, super (laughs) over-involved in his life. Yes. And, um like, prays for him every day and, like, drives him home from school every day so that he can spend more time with his dying cancer mom. And she talks about how at the beginning of the year, um, cancer mom was coming in all the time to, like, be a class mom and help out with things and whatever. But then, like, she stopped in early fall. And even if they're in a part of the country where school starts in August, like, the time... Yeah, the time between her finding out she has cancer and stopping coming to school and, like, early December when the book starts is a very rapid decline. (laughs) Like, she goes from coming to school and helping out with the kids to lying on her deathbed very, very quickly. Not even able to make cookies. Well, this is a persuasive argument for Obamacare because clearly because they're so poor, they she hadn't been able to go in for, like, routine checkups. So probably, mm. like, by the time she was diagnosed, she was already at a stage four because they right. never even – not stated at all. But that's what I'm – you know, that's what I as a reader <laughs> have interpreted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she – like, the other, like, the even weirder part to me is that the baby, the cancer uh, – two boys' baby sister – is like five months old when cancer mom gets cancer because she explicitly says to douchebag's wife, like, oh, my daughter's five months old. Um, And then by the time she's dying on Christmas Eve, the little girl is like running around and speaking in full sentences, which is like really remarkable. Like you think that they would get some money out of having a genius child who at eight months is running around and speaking in full sentences. Like, you think that they're, wow. you know, get some talk show appearances out of that, like a, an Indiegogo to raise some money for Cancer Mom's treatments. Oh, these are good salts of the earth people. They're not gonna, they're not gonna go on Maury for this. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's 1985. Oh, right, yeah. right. Which I could easily see how you would forget. Sally, Jesse, <laughs> Raphael was around. I mean, right. <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, that's just the benefits of having a good Christian stay-at-home mom. Early, div- <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, okay, also, this book has, um, similar to Theo Boone, similar to Rush Revere, just no concept of what a modern-day school is like. Oh, my God, yes. Um, so, like, like you mentioned, the teacher is, like, overly involved with Nathan the, Nathan the Shoe Boy's life. But even, like, some of the chapters are from her point of view for some reason. And just all – she has all oh. these stray observations that make no sense. Like, she says that she's been teaching for 30 years, but she's never had a child who's lost a parent before. Like, statistically, that seems improbable. But, Okay. And then she also talks about how every other year in her classroom, she they always, like, do a big Christmas thing and, like, talk about what they want for Christmas. But this year she doesn't do it because she knows it will be too sad for Nathan the shoe boy because his mom is dying. Which, like, you're at public school. Why have you been doing so much Christmas shit for the last 30 years, lady? Yeah, like, I, I mean, I know that it's 1985 and everything, but were there seriously no kids? of other religions in public school in 1985 i 
I did not understand how it could be all Christmas all the time. I that that didn't seem like it it would make sense. Maybe she just didn't care. Maybe she was just like, "Well, we're doing Christmas and we don't care about Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or any of those other holidays. We're just we're just doing this. We're just sticking with Christmas." Um, yeah. I mean, clearly, very that's helpful. clearly I feel- yes, that is or that is what she was doing. <laughs> right. And in addition to not knowing how classrooms work, I think this is another case, too, of an adult who does not know, has never met a child before. Oh, big time. Um, you know, Shoe Boy is all over the charts, emotionally, <laughs> developmentally, like, he sometimes acts way younger than eight and sometimes acts way older than eight. And like I said, you know, the eight-month-old baby is running around speaking in full sentences, so... Maybe that was meant to be a commentary on how having a parent with cancer can affect you emotionally. Maybe, maybe, but I I doubt it, considering <laughs> this is a book based on a pop song by, by a, a new Christian song. rock band, so... Yeah. Known for realism. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um... You know, I have a confession to make, which I, I feel safe telling this to you, podcast. Um, I've, I've shared other things with you before, like my deep fear of goosebumps. And now <laughs> I'll share with you. Wait, I missed that. The book or the or actual goosebumps like on your skin? No, like the bu- like the covers oh. of the books. Oh, yeah. No, I was scared of that, too. I oh, thank you. I was terrified. <laughs> um, <laughs> specifically, <laughs> we talked about this in the Christopher Pike episode, but specifically the one where the cover is just a, like skeletons at a barbecue. Like, oh, my God. That has imprinted in my memory, and I hate it. <laughs> And, uh, Renata, I know you said this um, somewhere else in some email thread or, like, on Twitter or something, but I still have that book, so we absolutely should do a Goosebumps episode at one point. No, what I said in the email was, don't make me read it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Oh, no, no, this is how the secret works. I said I didn't want to read it, and you just heard that I did. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, this is our Christmas episode, so let's save that for a Halloween episode. <laughs> what was I even? Oh, right, I was gonna, I was gonna confess that um, even though this book is like horrible and like very emotionally manipulative, like I could tell as I was reading it that I was being manipulated, but I still cried like at least three separate times while reading it. <laughs> I also cried, uh, not three times, I cried twice. Once it was only, like, a little bit, though, so I don't think that one counts. <laughs> uh, well, the thing, I, I'm a crier, too, but I knew, like, I I was like, I can't cry on this because uh, Renata and Kate will make fun of me. So I kept my tears inside. Like, a couple of times, I felt them, like, welling up, but I, I pushed my emotions down inside me. And so now I kind of feel like, I feel like I, I wasted a time to cry, you know, on nothing. So, oh, no. but I, I felt really sad a couple of times, but I, but I kept it inside. Okay. Well, now you know that um, okay. we, we won't. It, yeah, it's this is a safe zone. Okay. Well, it's a safe zone for crying. It's not a safe zone for being a shitty book. But. <laughs> or yeah. goosebumps. I, it's yeah, like, oh, I cry at diaper commercials and the Folgers incest commercial and like I, I'm really I'm a really soft touch. So yeah. I'm not surprised I cried. Yeah, but. well, and I mean, I think like mom's dying. That's just like a number one. Like, and you think about the kid who has to like live the rest of his life without his mom. You know, that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
It was, it like, was sad. I, yeah. So. Regardless of how poorly it's written, written, that's a very sad situation. Sometimes, like, when it comes right. on the radio, I've even been known to cry at the song itself. Uh, which oh, yeah, is I also absolutely shitty. have. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I always just change the channel, so I've never, like I said, I never heard it until, like, tonight. Okay, well. I just avoid it. Check it out. Uh, maybe you can get your, cr- you can catch up on your crying by listening to the song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll allow it. <laughs> Open the emotional well. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Um, uh, I guess one thing that I wanted to, that I, uh, that cracked me up during the book, um, at the very beginning, the author talks about, like, the big questions, like, not about getting a promotion, but, like, things like, what do the flowers think below the snow, and, like, what birds, when do birds make reservations to fly south, and, like, that was was really, uh, it just was weird to me that that was the big question, especially the one about the flowers that she kept bringing up. And like, that was one of the kids' assignments. And it kind of goes back to what you guys were talking about with public school. Like, what public school has their kids just write these essays about what flowers are thinking under the snow? And also, we, we know when birds make their reservations to fly south, it's, it's basically instinct. So, like, yeah, that was uh, very distracting to me that those were the thoughts going through these kids' heads in their school well and um, those i mean those really, are like laffy taffy riddles that's not like a prompt <laughs> for an essay that's like a laffy taffy riddle and you have not provided <laughs> us with the answer <laughs> yeah well at least the laffy taffy riddle is like kind of funny these weren't even funny yeah, well you know i'd be like when do birds make their reservation to fly south uh when they uh, shit i don't have a good <laughs> there's, there's uh, nothing when they go to like travel quack or like something like that <laughs> oh is that what she was trying to do? i don't think oh, so i okay. think that's just like what that's just how it made me feel <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah also you know the fact that the the kid that everything kind of hinged around rob Lowe uh seeing this kid and, like, I, I just felt bad that that was the reason that Rob Lowe uh, learned to do what he was supposed to do in the first place. And, and, like, that was why he became a good father and a good husband. Like, he saw this kid and his dying mom. Like, it, it just made me really it, – it was, it was upsetting that that's what it took for him to do his job as a person. Like, to be a good human being, he had to witness this kid – he had to give this kid, like, $8 to buy these shoes. Wait, did that- we explicitly mention, like, while recording oh. that this is a movie – also, and oh, Rob Lowe plays the douchey lawyer. Oh. No, it's fine. I just want to make sure that we mentioned that, and I don't remember if we did. Um, so, I yeah, believe- Rob Lowe in the movie version is douchey lawyer Robert. Robert, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really bad with names, so now that I know that Rob Lowe is the douchey lawyer, he's literally just going to be Rob Lowe in my head, so I'm, I'm sorry for that. Oh, but, no, yeah. that's I mean, we are obviously not good with names either, considering we've been calling them Shoe Boy <laughs> and <laughs> Cancer Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, so I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's kind of an interesting philosophical point. Like, what if he hadn't seen Shoe Boy? Because he was already, like, we saw him Christmas shopping, and he was, like, really frustrated because he was, like, a Barbie. I don't even know how old my kids are. Do they still like Barbies? What about a sweater for my wife? I don't know. She doesn't like sweaters, does she? Like, just, she already has a red one, so what yeah, do do with and, a red sweater? Ugh. Yeah, so he, like, clearly had had this moment where he was, like, I'm fucked, like, I don't know anything, and I think that, and, like, the come to Jesus talk, literally, his mom had with him, <laughs> um, I think between those, he was sort of, like, already on his way, and so even if he hadn't met Shoeboy, like, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been as drastic, maybe it wouldn't have been enough to convince his wife not to leave him. Right, it's... I just... I also, I think it's so 
so random and so weird that they also killed his mother. Oh my like, god! I, oh yeah, I, that's one of the big yes, times I cried. So bizarre. Because that like, was genuinely surprising. Repented and gone to Jesus. You don't gotta kill her too. It's oh. fine. That was out of nowhere. I was like, what? The mom died too? I think I was in the car and, and I just startled everyone else in the car. I was like, what? Like, this book is ridiculous. How many people have to die for this guy to get it? Like, seriously. Right? Two. Well, God's just <laughs> randomly murdering people in this town until he realizes that what the true meaning of Christmas and family is. It's like a combination of like the Truman Show and the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> or attrition. <laughs> No, but um, for real, though, two women and one son of God had to die for this man <laughs> to realize <laughs> how precious life is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. He got better, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying about the grandma. I know about Jesus. Jesus is okay right now. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it just seems so weird considering like the whole point is supposed to be like, oh, he sees a boy with a dying mom and realizes, you know, family is important and he like has that revelation and then it's almost like a footnote and then like it's like, oh, oh my god, mom's dead. Ah, how horrible. And then, you know, that's the end and it goes back to the frame story and that's it. It it's was like abrupt and weird, not at all foreshadowed and totally unnecessary. I mean, she's just going off the reservation here. I mean, it's not even in the song. Like, yeah, even... exactly. I was going to say, in the song, we don't really know that much about the narrator, just that, like, he feels bad for this kid. And, like, you know, he learns to feel more grateful, or but there's not this, like, or and my wife is going to leave me, but I saw a shoe kid. Like, blah, like that's not in the song. Mm-mm. No. She's she's gone too far in my opinion, but you know, yeah, that's what you got to do. Um, one other thing I want to bring up for like for our bad book bingo card, another square that you could check off for this book is like weird, pretentious epigraph quotes that don't really like relate. Like for example, before chapter two. It says, the more I think it over, the more I feel there is nothing more truly artistic than to love people. Vincent oh. Van Gogh. Like, th- thank you for classing you up your, your Christmas book with Van Gogh. <laughs> and then the very last epigraph is a quote from Donna Van Leer herself. Like, she, <laughs> she quoted herself to really drive home the meaning. Oh, my God. I mean... Oh man, I didn't even notice that. That is terrible. Let me pull that up. <laughs> no, I, I, I see got it. it. I got it. I'm, I'm looking at it. Death's and power I just... is limited. It cannot eradicate memories or slay love. It cannot destroy even a threadbare faith or permanently hobble the smallest hope in God. It cannot permeate the, st- the soul and it cannot cripple the spirit. It merely separates us for a while. That is the only power death can claim. No more. <laughs> Donna Van Lair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that takes that takes guts to quote yourself in oh your own. God. Yeah, it's just very bold. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. even. <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, speaking of that, why don't we transition into our dramatic readings? Oh yes. And uh, sounds. Ashley, you're up first. I'm pulling up i wasn't i was so stunned by her quoting herself that i got distracted okay um <laughs> so the part that i 
I'm reading is um, at one point uh, Robert's mom confronts him. Him, she knows that something. She just a mother's intuition tells her that something is wrong, and so this is part of their conf- when she confronts him with uh, her knowledge that something is wrong. You don't know, do you? You're never there long enough to ask her. Maybe it's your interests that have changed, she said slowly. Maybe other women are a little more interesting these days. I rolled my eyes and groaned. There is no other woman, mother. There never has been. Why do women always assume there's another woman? Maybe because a wife figures that if you're not seeking attention from her, then you must naturally be looking for it somewhere else. This really was an area I did not want to talk about with my mother. Mom, believe me on this. There has never been another woman. Never. Oh, how I wish she would release me from this conversation. Even if I wanted to, which I don't, I'm too busy to even think about taking on another woman in my life. You're right, she said, nodding her head. I apologize. I should have put a little more thought into that. You're way too busy to have a mistress when work is your mistress. I buried my face in my hands. You are making my head hurt, mother. She ignored me and forged ahead. Sexual conquests make some men feel more powerful, she said, as if reading from the latest lady's home journal. Mother, can we please stop talking about this, I begged. I think that's it. But it just cracks me up that they have this discussion about him cheating on his wife. Like... With his mom. Just, with his, yeah. his mom. He has a discussion with his mom about cheating on his wife, not a discussion about cheating on his wife with his mom. Just oh, make that yes. clear. Right. <laughs> which is pretty. Uh, okay. Also, yeah. I I guess I haven't read oh. Ladies Home Journal in a while, but is that what's in there? I, I, don't I mean, know. I, just... I thought it was like recipes and stuff, but <laughs> what do I know? I stick to Cosmos, you know, for my crappy women's. Yeah, well, Cosmos about how sexual conquests make women feel more powerful. Which, it's true, so, you know, <laughs> understandable. Mm-hmm. All right, um, for our next dramatic reading, um, Ashley and I are going to do it true dramatic reading style. We're going to do dialogue only, so we'll skip out some little descriptors. And uh, this is a scene between Maggie, a.k.a. Cancer Mom, and Nathan, a.k.a. Shoe Boy. It's, um, Maggie knows it's near the end, and she wants to have a a deep conversation with Nathan, which will ultimately um, inspire him to go buy some shoes for her. In a little while, you may hear grown-ups say things like, Isn't it a pity? God took her so young. But they're wrong, Nathan. They're wrong, and I don't want you to listen to them. When they say things like that, I want you to remember what I'm telling you now. God didn't take me. He received me. You mean in heaven, Mama? Yes, sweetie, in heaven. God's going to take you to heaven? No, he's not going to take me, Nathan. He's going to open his arms and receive me. There's a big difference, and I always want you to remember that. What will you do there? I can't even imagine. I know for the longest time I'll just be looking at God and thanking him over and over for sending Jesus at Christmas and for the life he gave me here with you. It's going to be so beautiful there, Nathan, that I can't even begin to think about what I'll be doing, but I know I won't be sick anymore. I'll be completely healthy, and I'll be running and jumping and playing and dancing just like I used to do with you before I got sick. Will there be animals there? The most beautiful animals I've ever seen. The animals that God created here for us on earth aren't anything compared to the animals in heaven. 
the zebra and giraffe, they'll look like common house cats compared to the animals in heaven. And none of them will be mean, right? No, none of them will be mean. They'll be gentle and beautiful, and you can ride them and play with them all day long. Will the streets really be gold? The streets will be gold, and there will be beautiful rivers and waterfalls and the most beautiful landscaping I've ever seen. The flowers will be prettier than yours? Much prettier than mine. The flowers and trees will be much more beautiful than anything God ever created on Earth. Will you see Grandpa there? Yes, he'll be at the gate waiting for me. Why do you have to go? Because Mommy's sick and I just can't get better. Will I be able to go with you? No, sweetie. You can't go with Mommy. Alright, real talk. I'm pretty sure that was one of the times that I cried. But I was <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> I, I, got, I got really distracted because A, I didn't know that there was going to be animals in heaven. And B, the fact that they're concer- she's concerned about landscaping. Like, that was Very just really... <laughs> going to be great landscaping. I was also I was also work. taken okay. out of it um, by her unwarranted dig on house cats. <laughs> <laughs> and also of all the animals like zebras and giraffes like they're just kind of big horses like you know they're not really even that great. I mean elephants maybe but zebras and giraffes I mean whatever. Not that impressive I, um, to me. <laughs> I got taken out of it when I was reading it for the first time when he asked like well Grant be there because uh there's a a bit in gravity falls where one of the characters says that to his grandmother she's like oh i just want to see you you know settle down with a good wife before i go to heaven and uh he's like oh you know with grandpa and she goes no he is not there (laughs) (laughs) oh wow good So I kind of cracked up reading that, and it probably warded off the, you know, imminent tears, because I definitely wept when uh, the mom actually died, so. Uh. (laughs) All right, Um, I'm going to do a dramatic reading now from the part that is actually inspired by the song. Uh, Douchebag Lawyer is at the department store grabbing random things off the shelves to buy for his family that he doesn't know anymore and ends up in line right behind the little boy with the glittery shoes. And I will take it from there. (laughs) As the boy swung the glittery shoes, I finally had to smile. The child obviously didn't want his mother to see him buy the shoes for her. He began to pace. I looked down at the items in my basket and wondered when the last time I had anxiously raced round a department store looking for the perfect gift for someone. When my brother and I were young, our arms would ache from shaking every last cent out of our piggy banks. We'd stuff our pockets until they bulged with the heavy coins and we'd walk excitedly to the local five and dime. Rummaging through trays of pins, we would earnestly look for the one with the biggest fake diamonds for our mother and then we'd run to the men's aisle for the adventure of finding the ideal christmas tie for our father one year we skipped getting him a tie and got him a three foot long shoehorn instead one he wouldn't have to bend over to use it used to be so exciting hugh and myself scurrying stumbling and fumbling through the store nearly bursting from the thought of mom and dad opening their presents on christmas day 
The little boy moved forward and placed the shoes down for the cashier to scan the price. Fourteen twenty-five. The child dug into the pockets of his worn jeans and pulled out a small crumpled wad of bills and scattered change. The cashier straightened out the mess of currency. There's only four sixty here, son, he said. How much are the shoes? the child inquired, concerned. They're fourteen twenty-five, the cashier replied. You'll need to get some more money from your mom or dad. Visibly upset, the boy asked, Can I bring the rest of the money tomorrow? The cashier smiled and shook his head no, scooping up the change. Tears pooled in the child's eyes. He turned around and said, Sir, I need to buy those shoes for my mother, his voice shaking. I was startled to see that the child was talking to me. I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. She's not been feeling very good, and when we were eating dinner, my dad said that Mama might leave to see Jesus tonight. I stood unmoving, holding the basket. I didn't know what to say. I want her to look beautiful when she meets Jesus, he said, his eyes beseeching me. Why is he asking me, I thought. Do I look like an easy target, the rich man with money to throw around? I instantly felt annoyed. Was this some sort of con, parents sending their children out to take advantage of people's emotions at Christmas? Yet why did the child tell the cashier he'd bring the rest of the money tomorrow? I didn't know what to say or how to react. All I knew was it was suddenly more than I could take. The kid was no scam artist, somehow I knew. I looked into his wide eyes and something happened to me in that moment. A pair of shoes to meet Jesus in. This child is losing his mother. Without thinking or saying a word, I pulled out my wallet and handed the cashier a $50 bill to pay for the remainder of the cost of the shoes. The little boy lifted onto his tiptoes and watched as the last of the money was distributed into the drawer. Eagerly, he grabbed the package, then turned and stopped for a moment, looking at me again. Thank you, was all he said. I watched as the child ran out the door and disappeared into the streets. Are you ready, sir? the cashier asked. I didn't hear what he was saying. Sir, he asked again, are you ready to cash out? I looked at the items in my basket and shook my head. No, I answered. I think I need to start over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Emotions. The worst. (laughs) I remembered one thing that uh, we forgot to bring up, which is that Partly the reason why Shoe Boy is inspired to buy shoes is they had like show and tell at school, or it wasn't. It was just tell. It was like tell your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, which is uh, which is this book's uh, writing philosophy in a nutshell. Yep. No show, just tell. <laughs> I'll come full circle. <laughs> and uh, so they're doing that and they're telling their favorite Christmas memories. And they ask the teacher hers. And she remembers getting a pair of like beautiful sparkly shoes and like dancing around in them. And um, so because of that, Shoe Boy thinks of that. And he's like, I wish my mom had sparkly shoes like that. And he's just like really captivated by the idea. And that doesn't like, there's no reason that an eight year old of any gender would be so captivated by just a story. Like she didn't even bring the shoes in for them to see. She just described them. (laughs) And it would have been so easy, like to look at it from a technical standpoint as a writer, it would have been so easy for her to throw in like at max five sentences throughout the book, talking about how when cancer mom was healthy, she loved to dance and she danced all all the time or whatever. 
and you know had her had her like have a line of dialogue like oh those shoes sound great like i remember having shoes like that when i used to dance when i was younger and bam you know you have total justification for the shoes instead yeah. it's like this weird nebulous connection to a story his teacher told him during show and tell during tell <laughs> and also from the song i guess i kind of had the idea that the mom had no shoes at all like they were so poor the mom had no sh- i don't think it's explicitly said but i guess that's just like the weepiness of the song led me to conclude that the mom had no shoes and the boy just wanted to have some shoes and so if if that could be a thing too i don't i guess i don't know like that doesn't really add up she but was, if for some reason she was in she was in bed, I mean, so I guess she didn't really wear shoes, but these would be some shoes that she could wear in bed, I guess. I don't know. I'm or just, say if it was really like previously established that you need really good shoes to meet Jesus. Right. Oh, oh, right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's important, too. <laughs> right. Or one last idea, and then we can move on. Say <laughs> because of the cancer, she's so sick, her old shoes are too big now, and she needs a new pair. And then that's like a pitiful, pitiful deal about how sick she is. Like her feet have shrunk. She needs new shoes, like size down. I don't care. Something, something like that. Fuck you, Christmas shoes. It's, it's as yeah. good. A- Imagine, any, I guess. imagine going to heaven with shoes that are too big and you have to spend the rest of eternity wearing <laughs> shoes that don't fit it would like totally blow oh my god yeah so gr- many blisters oh my god oh, <laughs> terrible oh my gosh okay <laughs> let's uh let's move on and play some would you rather yes. would you rather have a rich husband who works all the time or a poor noble working class husband who loves you more than anything Keep in mind, the first guy is very rich. Man, <laughs> this is this is really difficult for me. I mean, honestly, I'd probably just have the rich husband who works all the time. I know that doesn't. I know that doesn't probably sit well with most people. But I mean, he's very rich. You said so. I mean, that seems like I'd be able to do what I need to do. So I take the rich guy. Oh, me too. No question. Yeah, I absolutely. I absolutely would take the rich husband. I mean, if I have to have a husband and not a wife, like, obviously, I'm going to have a rich one. Like, come on. Duh. Yeah. Well, and to me, like, I think it's a feature, not a bug that he works all the time. Right? Like, I don't want a husband exactly. in my grill all the time. Like, stay at the office late. I don't give a shit. I have Netflix to watch. Right. <laughs> I don't need you, like, trying to get me to change the channel, like, whatever thing that that Jack, who's the good husband, does. Yeah, like, some noble working class husband is going to be like, I want to spend time with you, like, let's cuddle, like, let's talk about how much we love each other and run through a meadow holding hands because we're too poor to afford oh. good entertainment. <laughs> and, like, a rich husband who's at the office all the time, like, sign me up. Yeah, right. and and cancer mom has to do like so much housework and stuff, like because and help she's the a kids. Good, yeah, like shit. No, like I'll I'll get a nanny <laughs> if we have to have kids. I'll get a maid. <laughs> Sign me up for the loveless wealthy marriage, please. Very rich husband. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> Next up is, uh, would you rather grow up in a Christ-following family or go to hell? Well, I already did the first one, so I guess I'll I'll stick with the one that brought me. So I'll, I'll grow up in a Christ-following family. So far, so good. 
Hmm, I don't know. This one's tough because I did, like, kind of grow up in a Christ-following family. I mean, not, like, Donna Van Leer's version. Oh. But, you know, my family were, was, like, kind of Catholic, and, and we, I, I got my confirmation. My mom and I both used to teach Sunday school. Oh. But, you know, and... And I get like, so I got to grow up in that family and also hold my current beliefs and my current life. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm just going to replicate my previous childhood. That worked out pretty well for me. I mean, yeah, I grew up with atheist parents. It would probably be a shift for for me to have uh, Christ following parents. Um, I don't know. But my definition of hell is kind of like eternity with shoes that are too big. And I definitely don't want that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I would choose to have a Christ-selling family so that somebody will buy me fancy shoes on my deathbed. That is my expected payoff for that living that lifestyle. It's the least, right. it's the least fair, it could happen. <laughs> and uh, last up, would you rather marry the honest, hardworking mechanic who fixed your 1974 Ford Escort or find a spouse on christianmingle.com. Um, well, I always am going to go for the christianmingle.com answer. And I think it's specifically important here, as I've previously established that I would want the rich husband and not the noble working class husband. And hardworking mechanics probably can't afford the internet and have christianmingle.com profiles. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, so it would, you said 1974 Ford Escort, so that, that implies that I'm some kind of time traveler because I was born after 1974. Or you just have a very old car. Oh, then definitely ChristianMingle.com. I don't want to have an old car. Yeah. I mean that, that by the way is, that's a detail from the book. That's how Cancer Mom met her husband for, um, and it's specifically mentioned they name dropped the 1974 Ford Escort weirdly a lot, which leads me to believe that Ford (laughs) Escort is their corporate sponsor. Just as ChristianMingle.com is ours. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, that said, obviously, I would choose the fine services of ChristianMingle.com. <coughs> uh, we are, as always, brought to you by ChristianMingle.com, so check them out. At least until they find out and send us a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah, go to ChristianMingle.com and put in our special offer code um, slash... <laughs> Just put it right at the end of the address, and they'll know you. They'll know that uh, we sent you there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one day, maybe that won't be funny to me, but it's not today. <laughs> oh, pretty, pretty funny! Oh my gosh. Okay, um, we'll move on then to readers' advisory and say what we would recommend reading instead of or in addition to the Christmas shoes. Um, well, it should also be noted that somehow. Uh, Donna Van Leer spun this book, spun off of a song, into a very successful series of books. Whoa. Oh. Well, you, you said somehow, but I think we know how she did it. Uh, it's on her vision board. The secret, of yeah. course. Yes. <laughs> it's coming God, full how circle. can I have doubted it? <laughs> um, so if you did actually like this book or want to read more similar books to it, um, there's a whole treasure trove awaiting you. Wow. Yeah. Also, if you did genuinely like this book, um, my library, we have like different 
I think, I mean, a lot of libraries do have a sticker on the spine of books for different genres, like, so you can easily see if it's a mystery, fantasy, whatever. We also have a sticker for Christmas genre. Um, And this one's got one. Yeah, it's just uh, just a red Christmas tree and says Christmas. So if you like this book, I would say go through the library, grab every book with a Christmas tree spine sticker. (laughs) It's probably all about the same. Um, I would also recommend if you liked this book, um, going less the Christmas and more the Cancer Mom route. Uh, Basically anything that Lorraine McDaniel has written. Um, she writes a lot of books about people tragically dying of cancer and her loved ones mourning, their loved ones mourning for them and, you know, sitting by their bedside as they slowly die. Yeah, on that note, like, the thing that this reminded me of a lot, weirdly, was Tyler Perry's Temptation. Like, they're not that similar, but to me, they're both just, like, such (laughs) unsubtle, overt morality stories that... which is a, a lot of Tyler Perry's work. Yeah, I was going to say, that's yeah. like all of his stuff, as far Tem- as I know. Temptation is the only one I've seen of his, so that's the only one mm-hmm. I could vouch for. You're missing out. <sighs> definitely check out all of the Madeir movies. All right. All well, amazing. Temptation is on, on Netflix Instant. Are the other ones? Uh, or? I don't know. Yeah. I've actually never seen them. I just was... No. Oh. One day. I mean, I did genuinely, like, okay, this is maybe not the time to go into it deep. I really enjoyed <laughs> watching Tyler Perry's Temptation. Like, it's not great, but it it kept me entertained the whole time. <laughs> and and I learned a valuable lesson about not cheating on my husband. I'm not cheating on my hardworking, poor husband with a rich man who comes along and secretly has AIDS. That's the moral of And that then one. gives you AIDS and an AIDS limp. Is, I understand yep. that she limps after she gets AIDS. Yep. So. Yes, she does. And Brandy looks on in judgment. Oh, Brandy's in it. Oh. <laughs> I, must, I must see this movie. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's streaming. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Well, um, for I, another, another movie that kind of goes in a different direction from that, um, probably the very far opposite direction, <laughs> Um I 100% unironically recommend that everybody who likes Christmas even a little bit puts down what they're doing and goes to watch the movie Arthur Christmas. Um, It's a British kids movie um, about the family that of the Santa Claus line, essentially, like the people who are Santa Claus. And it actually does have a lot of similar themes about like learning what's important around the holidays and to respect your family and to not take advantage of those around you and to really appreciate what's there um, except better and with a better cast. Kate, I, I still haven't seen this movie. Sidebar, oh my god, but stop. Kate... We're not friends breaking up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just want to share with podcast listeners that every year since this movie came out, Kate genuinely starts talking about it in, like, September. Like, how, <laughs> how excited she is to, like, watch it again for it to be, like, oh Arthur gosh. Christmas season. I also, like, tweet the same five lines, like, every time I watch it without fail, which is roughly, like, ten times per year. Yeah, even, like I said, I haven't seen the movie, but it's something about, like, losing something in a flood. What, <laughs> I lost like, everything in that flood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that's a, it's a very strong recommendation from Kate, is what I wanted to make clear. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go drop a classic on you and say if you like this, you should read the Bible. Um, and also, um, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, if you like, um, rich people learning that it's not important to be rich at Christmas time. And especially Muppet Christmas Carol, which is like regular Christmas Carol, but way better because Muppets. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what else? Um, again, um, if you like this book, there's a movie starring Rob Lowe. I haven't seen it, but I definitely uh, want to now. Rob Lowe is my uh, nemesis, and so I like to keep tabs on him. I was laughing so hard when I, w- I watched the preview. Now I definitely have to see that movie, too. And it's like, in the trailer, it says Golden Globe nominee Rob Lowe. Like, that's <laughs> something to celebrate or, like, oh, yeah. tell people about. He so that really cracked me up. We should, we should watch he it so and, and do, like, a bonus episode where we talk about the movie. Oh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Um, I, you know, it's weird. I don't really like watching a lot of too much Christmas stuff or before Christmas. So, but Home Alone was on um, the other night, and Home Alone is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, and it does kind of talk a lot about the the Christmas spirit and being with your family. But it also involves a homicidal maniac, which is way more exciting. I mean, something is definitely wrong with that kid. So uh, <laughs> to me, that's what really is the Christmas spirit, um, Home Alone. So, you know, that's what I usually, that's what I would suggest if you're trying to get into the Christmas spirit. All right. Well, speaking of Christmas spirit, <laughs> let's let's move on and suggest our um, candy pairings. By the way, there will be a few more books and movies that we didn't discuss um, on our website, worstbestsellers.com. You can go to our Reader's Advisory tab and check that out for more information but now we'll move on to our candy pairings which are just like um instead of having a wine pairing for a meal we will suggest a candy or or food product to pair with this book and uh, mine was like low quality store-bought christmas cookies it's like mass produced and and too sweet but i'll i'll eat it and like you know, I'll still feel the sweetness in my mouth, just like how I felt the sadness of this book, even though, <laughs> like, it wasn't really earned. Sweet sadness. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, I went with a generic advent calendar, a generic chocolate advent calendar, um, because, like this book, it's something religious, kind of masquerading as something good, and it's passive-aggressively foisted off on you by your family members, and you kind of have to eat it to be nice, even though it's not really great. Right. Um, For me, I I put down candy canes, which, you know, obviously they're sweet and they're seasonal, but if you're not careful, they can be really sharp. Um, So I kind of felt like when I was reading this book that I was getting stabbed with a lot of feelings. And so for me, it was, that's, that's what I couldn't help but think of. So I I just got shanked with feelings for the Christmas shoes. So. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe Sorry. shanked with feelings isn't, like, the pull quote for this book on the back. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm no Donna Van Leyer, but, I mean, that's just how I felt. Yeah, she should remove the part where she quotes herself and quote you instead. <laughs> Donna, Donna, you know how to reach me. Just, just get in touch. Just get in touch, Okay. Okay, um, now let's state the moral of the story, which is also very overtly stated by Donna Van Leer herself on every page, but we'll, we'll see what we can do for her. <laughs> the moral that I took away from this story is that you'd better appreciate your family or else God will kill a bunch of people vaguely associated with you to drive the point <laughs> home. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, it, as a... As a lifelong Christian, I didn't know that there were animals in heaven, so uh, I learned that, and also that I need to bring allergy medicine when I go to meet Jesus, and also really nice shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that Jesus is the reason for the season, um, but also he is quite the fashionista. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> All right, now we'll move on to Duarte's corner, where I like, give my cat Duarte the opportunity to express his opinions about the book that we've just read. All right, thank you for that, Duarte. I I agree. I thought it was weird that she called out house cats that way. I didn't think it was necessary. I uh, I mean, I think it was weird, but I I just think it's strange that of the entire you know hundred and thirty page book that was what he really decided to go off on for the majority of his review. But you know, you do you, Duarte. It's fine. It's fine. I, we, you know, we've addressed this before in his reviews. He really is not very concerned with what happens to humans, only cats. So it's true. He didn't even cry it's when true. Cancer Mom died. Yeah, well, yeah, that's and Duarte do have that one thing in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what do we humans have for closing thoughts about the Christmas shoes? Um, I have two. One of them is that I meant to mention this earlier, but the little on this book, it's like greeting card size. It's like a little mini book. And on the top of each page, there's a little illustration of what I imagine is supposed to be the Christmas star. But in my edition, the like, all the points look kind of similar in size. So it kind of looks like the Kree star. And I just kept waiting for Captain Marvel to show up and, you know, punch some dinosaurs or some douchebags or anything, really. I just think Carol Danvers would have improved this book. Are we writing Christmas shoes fan fiction now? Because I'm, I mean, I'm here for it. If it's a crossover with Captain Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty much only on those conditions. (laughs) Um, I guess for me, like at the so the shoes were fourteen dollars, and the kid only had four sixty. So basically, it just took ten dollars for this guy to get his life back, which is, you know, pretty. It's a pretty good deal, you know, as lives go. Mm-hmm. But also, so sometimes that's all it takes. You know, that kid was ten dollars short. Like that that public school teacher needs to spend less goddamn time talking about her own childhood shoes and a little more time on math. <laughs> Teaching how to count, yeah. Yeah, and maybe Seriously. the kid would have just, you know, found some more affordable shoes. Right. <laughs> or done some work. I mean, mm-hmm. God, to earn it. Oh, my God, yeah, this is America. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, cancer Please child. work harder. I mean, yeah. shoe boy, daughter, son of cancer mom. <laughs> cancer shoe boy. I can't. So many names. <laughs> Nathan, if that's even your name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the one other thing that I'll say is um, we're going to put a link to this in the footnotes on the website. But Patton Oswalt, the the comedian, has a bit that's like a dissection of this song. And I guess it was like a special feature on one of his DVDs. There's like an animated thing to his bit. And it's freaking hilarious. Like... You will cry laughing watching this, and you definitely should. It's amazing. <laughs> Instead of just regular yeah, you, crying you at this yes. point. Yes. <laughs> right. Ooh, all right. Well, um, thank you guys for <clears throat> listening. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me on Twitter at 14 across. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the dazzling one. Because you're like Edward Cullen. <laughs> is that oh, why you're the definitely. dazzling one? I've always I like it. Twilight is my number one associate association with dazzling, but I've never asked you why that's your name. Is that why? Um, no, 
Well, it it's kind of convoluted, but it has to do with blazing saddles. And there, one character gets called a dazzling urbanite, and so urbanite was too long, so I just put dazzling one. Oh yeah, yeah, because you are a dazzling urbanite on the other side. Okay, that makes oh yeah, that, definitely that checks out. It's all coming together. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, you can follow us as a podcast on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S on the end. You can also like us on Facebook if you just search for Worst Bestsellers. Um, you can visit our website, worstbestsellers.com, where we do, like I mentioned earlier, have the reader's advisory list. So you can see the books we talked about, as well as the footnotes with links to important stuff like Pat Nozzle's bit about this song. Um, um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you do, please rate and review us because, you know, otherwise Jesus will just be even more angry and judgy when you get to happen. <laughs> um, and you can email, wait, you can email us at com if you um, have, have book suggestions for us to read um, or, you know, shoe suggestions for us to buy before we go to heaven, anything like that. <laughs> we'll happily take Definitely. in our inbox. Yep. And uh, so since since it is December, we're um, we're celebrating Christmas all month long here at Worst Bestsellers. And for our next episode, we will be reading The Christmas Sweater by Glenn Beck, which should be delightful. Uh, There's a children's book version of this book that we're reading that is to this day, despite all the books we've read for this podcast, the worst book I've ever read. So that's wow. The things we do for this podcast. <laughs> Be prepared uh, is all I'm saying. Get some of that Christmas eggnog ready before you listen to this next episode. Oh boy. <laughs> all right. Well, um, thanks again for listening, and we'll we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.